Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? Welcome to Waypoint 101. I'm your host, Austin Walker, and today we are going to finally be talking about Mad Max, the Avalanche game from 2015. It has taken us much longer than we intended. Apologies for that. Uh, but to make up for it, I come bearing gifts. I come bearing the, the beautiful, deep voice of Rob Zachney. Hello, everybody. Did you try to, like, you? ooh, okay. You're just really going to win people over with, with your dulcet tones. That's my plan. There it is. I also bring two special guests, and this is this is the real special. This is the special waypoint touch. Is you know we have all these great freelancers who write for us week in week out about video games, and two of them have uh, hopped on board today. Dante Douglas, you wrote about Mad Max for us. Welcome to the podcast. I'm very glad to be here. It's kind of it's kind of odd to be hearing Austin talking to me and not just talking and then right. me just laughing alone in my house. So, um. <laughs> Please participate in the, in the conversation. It will help I will, quite a bit. I will try. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that I talked and you immediately started laughing as if you were alone in your house. <laughs> uh, class, you go. Classic Austin Ziggers. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Oh, that's, that's my favorite Austin line. Um uh, and also from Ranged Touch, Cameron Kunzelman. Hi, hi there, everybody. I'm doing my Rob impression. Is that <laughs> that's a pretty good Rob? Cam Chef, my man. Welcome to the Mad Max show. <laughs> yeah, God, um, Cam Shaft. Oh, Cam that's good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh. Would that be Cameron? What would the okay? First topic. What mm, would everybody's yeah. post-apocalyptic Mad Max nickname be? Oh. Cameron's is clearly Cam Shaft. Cam Shaft. It's too yeah. good. It's maybe uh, the best one. I don't. None of our other names are no, car so parts. Here's, <laughs> but here's the other. Here's the other problem with this. This is not actually as easy as it sounds because the nomenclature and a lot of the way it's used and the speech around it in uh, this in this Mad Max game, yeah, is actually pretty good. Right. Like the 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 nouns that are used are actually really clever. The weird dialect. Yes. That people speak in about machines and the way they sort of describe their understanding of the world isn't something that I'm like. It is very hard for me to ad lib something that's as good as like barks in this world sound like. So you're saying Zach Attack? Is that the one that you're going to use then? You're the Zach Attack? <laughs> yeah, Zach Attack. <laughs> okay. Um, Rob okay. Easy. Rob. Ooh, Rob Easy. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'm I'm not sure. I'm sorry, Rob. I was hearing that and I'm like, I don't know if I agree at all with that. Like, there's an enemy in this game called Deep Fryer. There's not even an enemy. That's right, like it's right. like a buddy. I'm is like, he, that's not. I, 
But is he deep fryer like a deep fryer, or is he deep fryer like a fryer, like a like a monk? It's See? both. It's both, right? Because that's his. Ca- Sorry, we're, we're, I'm jumping ahead, but we are. I hated the names in this game. I was like, half of these are just dick jokes. Like well, a lot yeah. of them are, which I think yeah. maybe that unevenness yeah. is the is the story to tell about Mad Max. Yeah, Avalanche's yeah. 2015 open world action game in which you play as Max. I never know how to pronounce this last Rokitansky. name. Rokitansky. Rokitansky. Rokitansky, yeah. uh, who is traveling across the wastelands, hoping to escape into the big nothing and drive across the seabed to... to the plains where, of silence. Right, where he can <laughs> Which finally... Which sounds really fucking good right now. Yo, 2018 sucks. <laughs> um, and... Like Mad Max's quest to log off. <laughs> um, and uh, along the way, what he ends up doing is getting his car smashed in by the by the one of the children of Immortan Joe, the 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 antagonist of Fury Road, uh, presumably almost killing that guy, f- failing to actually kill that guy, and then getting a bunch of other innocent people killed on his way to try to escape the this part of the wastelands. I should say right now we're going to get into some serious spoiler territory for this game, um, and that is just the nature of this conversation. Uh, we want to really go with you know safety's off, no limiters on this engine. So really going to dig in. Um, but I think there is, I think that maybe talking about the writing is maybe not the worst place to start. And, and I, the first note that I made was actually kind of in line with what Rob was saying, which was specifically about the character Chumbucket. Early on in the game, Max, in an attempt to replace his stolen interceptor, uh, begins the quest of, of building the Magnum Opus, a sort of a car that, that this, this character Chumbucket, who is a black hand, a black finger, a black finger, black finger. who is mm-hmm. a type of a, like a, an incredible incredibly powerful and knowledgeable mechanic uh, believes is a kind of a relic, a, a, a holy object filled with, with glorious power. And the first note I wrote down about Chumbucket was that I loved his dialect because it forced me to pay attention to narrative beats I would otherwise completely ignore. Um, I was constantly in a very active audience role compared to what I normally am in the beginning parts of open world action games where I'm just kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's in the assassins. I get it. Whereas here I'm like, okay, what the fuck is Chum Bucket <coughs> talking about? And that endeared me to that character very early on. Um, what did you all think about Chum Bucket and, and maybe about the writing in general? It's awful. It's not good. <laughs> can, can I, can I come out hot? Yeah, please, I, please. I'm, I think this I'm, is good because we have a range of opinions on this. <laughs> Spitting fuel in the uh, guzzling. God damn it! If you're going to critique this, at least get on its level. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I just don't. uh, I I like. I like Mad Max. Maybe you know. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I I like series. You're saying? Yeah, yeah. As as all of it. I you know. I like Beyond Thunderdome. I like the Road Warrior. I like the original Mad Max. They're all different. I I like Fury Road. Um, and this feels like bad fan fiction and i like fan fiction i'm not that is not a critique of of the form but it's as if someone watched all of those things which are very different works right like they share elements but they have very very different concerns and they were like all right well let's let's uh i don't know the toe cutter kind of talks a little bit weird so let's jam some of that in Mm -hmm. and the assless chaps guy like (laughs) yeah i like the way that he hollers let's like get that in there too um, so it, it feels like a, like a greatest hits if someone didn't know what was good about something. Yeah, I I very, very agree with that. That was like overall my feeling with that game, even though I think I was I'm probably more positive on it than Cam. But like I 
overwhelmingly, especially with the character design and like the character interactions, I was just like, this, yeah, it reads like bad fan fiction. It reads like someone's like, I, I think if Fury Road is this beautiful crystallization of all this different stuff that is Mad Max, Mad Max by Avalanche just felt like weird and stumbling and I... I really didn't like Max, and I really didn't like Chum Bucket, and mostly I was like, all right, I'm just going to mash my way through all these cutscenes so I can get to the part that I like, which is driving the car really fast. Like, that part's great. That car feels good. Yeah, that car car feels feels fantastic. so good. Yeah. We'll talk about that, too. I I mean, I think something that's really important about that, I'm I'm glad that you phrased it that way, Dante, because this is, I think, the core of my problem. I'm not super happy with the dialect and all of that kind of stuff, but... Even at a more baseline narrative level, what? Who is Max? Oh, yeah. I, I that part of it I think is is the the truest. Uh, here's my okay. Here's my my like. Should you buy this game? Recommendation uh, criticism. I didn't. Right one. Uh, I I did. Uh, I did. I think I bought it twice by mistake. Um, but the the I would say, oh, he's he's nothing. He's an empty character. He's there's nothing there. You won't find a good character here. My like actual crit take is, I think he's a gamer cipher in the mm. most anti gamer way you could possibly imagine. Um, in that the culmination of his character is that, and I don't think this is like clever criticism on the part of the game writers necessarily i think it's more of like the world of gaming produces its own crit- the, the world produces contradictions and the, from those contradictions <laughs> sprout change and and sprout uh potential other lenses for which to view the world um the end of this game to like i just say it right away is all of the innocent people you you kill or get killed by your indifference and refusal to recognize their humanity telling you to kill other people because that is the only way that you, gamer, can understand other characters. Even the ones who have literally, (laughs) immediately, prior to the version of them in your head begging you to do justice for them, were begging you not to hurt them or not to do a thing that would hurt them. Literally, with Chum Bucket, that is the last thing he does say, don't destroy this car. This car is super important to me. I want to protect this car. And you go, ah, get off the car, and then you jump out of your car and kill Chum Bucket. Um, and then the next step is him being in your head saying, you're, uh, you should kill these people. These people hurt me. And it's like, that's not what happened. So I think that there was a version of this that I can see what they were going for, at least. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that they spent any time sticking the landing throughout the entirety of the game. I, I definitely feel like the the way that I best describe this game to people a lot is like it's like if someone used all the aesthetics of Fury Road, but with all of like the narrative story beats of the 80s movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and even that, I like I said before, I don't think it like really nails that. But what I mean by that really is that like I think the better 80s movies did this thing where they were about Max, but they weren't really about Max, right? They were about the community that forms around a thing that max does like in road warrior this is the most obvious like max doesn't win road warrior like that community does that he helped out and like they're really like bruised and beaten by it but they do end up like surviving and like there's a somewhat happy ending to road warrior whereas this this game felt so much more like the original mad max mad max one where like no it ends with fucking fire and blood and Mm -hmm. nobody's happy and max is more mad and it sucks and everything sucks and nobody's happy and like 
and like that's that's such in stark contrast to the things that I think broad critical consensus considers the good Mad Max movies, which is like Road Warrior and Fury Road and arguably Thunderdome, which I like, but I understand why people don't. Like right. it's those are those are stories where there is like this there is a growth arc in Max that yeah is sort of undone by the next movie because it has to be, but it's not about Max being vindicated by his like solitude. It's about Max being like forcibly taught that he cannot be a lone road warrior anymore. You know, right, and mm, this is I, go ahead, but hold Ron, on, please. But isn't <laughs> Max isn't but... Max always like uh, John Wayne at the end of the Searchers? Like he might learn a lesson about community. He might learn a lesson about like the value in helping people. Like you know carve out an existence, helping right a community's wrongs. Uh, but he is never going to be invited. He, he never feels like he can walk through that doorway. And no, no, no. I, like, I, it always returns yeah. Max to what we find him in this game, which is somebody unable to leave the past behind him, unable to settle down, always sort of trying to outrun whatever grief and rage is driving him forward. And That's then right. against that will, he yeah. gets pulled into all this bullshit. That's right, but we don't even have – I don't feel like Mad Max the Avalanche game really has that middle bit at all. It feels to me like this entire game – and it's why I think this game is like ultimately flawed – is like this game is about Max. It's not about the world outside of Max really. Like the game I don't think makes any nods to say like you should care about these societies because Max doesn't care about them and you are Max. It, it, it's not – it feels like it's something that maybe is just hard to do in a video game medium where, like, you're the hyper-powered individual who's, like, making actions in this space. But, like, it overwhelmingly felt to me like, oh, this Max feels like a cardboard because he doesn't really care about doing anything other than killing people. And then, like, Austin, like you said, like, at the end, that's what he does is he kills right. people. Right. Well, <laughs> like, I, I, would, I would just push back briefly on the notion that, like, because it's a game, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Because, like, I think about something like the end of New Vegas, the, the, the you yeah. know, slideshow there. I felt like shit about what happened to the followers of Apocalypse <laughs> the first time I played through because through a few sketches, I came to understand that they were a disempowered group who had their, head, their, their heads on their shoulders in the right way. Uh, I liked Arcade a lot. And wanted him to be happy. And so, like, I do think that games... Obviously, this is a much different type of game uh, than that. But uh, games can say something about about communities. Um, if, you commu if you spend time building that community, and this doesn't, right? This has, like, yeah. oh, I'm in Gut Gash's big ship, and there are a bunch of NPCs there and a woman in a cage, and I guess I'm supposed to care about them a little bit, but, like... <laughs> Not really. It has Gas Town, where, like, the first thing you see is a big, like, Native American neon head spitting out cars, and, like, that turns into this very strange diesel punk, like, hell zone. <laughs> um, but it never really communicates anything in the world as a place. Like, maybe some of Pink Eye stuff, from what I've seen. I didn't finish this game, I should say right now. I finished watching it, but I only got up to, like, when Pink Eye was being introduced, and I was like, oh, she seems cool. Um, but, like... There was none of those places felt like, and none of them felt better. Like this was not a game where Mad Max brought peace to, to anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, yeah. I don't think that like games can't do this. I just feel like this game, and, totally. it, and it feels so bizarre to me that this game, which is a Mad Max game, and I feel like at least in my interpretation, Mad Max is always a story about the communities around Max. It, it's not so much about Max, and then this just 
totally biffs that entire concept and is like, yeah, it's about Max. He's very angry. And isn't that cool? Like, okay, like, I want to yes. also move for Rob because Rob, you <laughs> said to us last night that you want to 80 on this game and now think it is a minor masterpiece of no, house gaming. That was a, yeah. that was a DM. Do not put me on blast like that. That I'm was me just. I genuinely I like this. If there's a if there's a spectrum here of reactions, I think Cameron is spitting the most guzzoline, and you are <laughs> yeah. probably its most ardent defender, Rob. And then Dante is is a little bit closer to Cam, and I'm a little yeah. bit closer to you. So I'm here as an ally, and I'm just hey, let's, yeah. all right, let's talk about what we liked here. Talk to He's me really about, teeing you up. I'm trying my best to. So they talk me out of it. This game's no, uh, <laughs> no. I actually. Okay, let's go back to Chum Bucket real quick. Please. Um, oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, because something I really enjoy about that character is just everything he says is this weird, like, mystical, pseudo-religious. Like, everything he says make, makes perfect sense, but you kind of have to, have to translate what he's saying into, like, what he's actually driving at. You know what I mean? Like, mm. he, like, for whatever reason... Like, machines have taken on, like, a holy significance for him. And this is how he interacts with the divine. Uh, machinery is, is how he touches touches on that. And you, just by virtue of being connected, being a driver, and being connected with old-school muscle cars, mm -hmm. are his are his angel. Uh, you, you are you are basically his his divine agent, uh, you know, brought to him to realize his life's work, the magnum opus. Uh, but there is so much he is saying throughout your journey in this world. Like he comments on things happening around you. He sees things in the distance and makes a remark on it. And it never it never reads like sometimes with a character like this. There's a danger that it will sound like. They're speaking like they are the voice of a fan wiki. <laughs> um, and I don't think Chum Bucket does. Chum Bucket sounds like a character in a worldview uh, that mm -hmm. seems very consistent and has an odd like poetry or music to it uh, that I found kind of irresistible. Like I really liked hanging out with Chum Bucket. Uh, actually, like he's kind of what got me on side with this with this game, because as he is sort of, you know, mumbling on about you know the, the magnum opus and the uh you know all the flavor text for the engine upgrades yes, you give yourself yeah. are, are in his voice and his interpretation of how you're upgrading the car uh i actually started to get into it into this game through the character of chum bucket and it sort of got me in the mood to play a game where there ain't going to be too much more to it than you driving a muscle car across the desert and just bashing the shit out of people. Uh, but through the lens of Chum Bucket, I was cool with that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so we had comments on the, on the forum that were very much in line with you, Rob. Uh, user Shine basically said the same thing, noting that like it was just cool that the entire game like encyclopedia was written in Chum Bucket's voice that it presented a, a much better version of this than what would have been like, imagine the same game with the buzzards and the night boys. I don't remember the names of these fucking gangs, these, these <laughs> whatevers. I'll just come up with a bunch of other ones. The, uh, the Uber, the Uber rods and the, <laughs> the, the, the Cali, the California 
lizards, gizzards, I'm, the I'm California lizard gizzards. That's <laughs> all of them. And, you know, all of those, uh, when it was just, where it would just be like, the California lizard gizzards are a gang that emerged from an ancient zoo or whatever. Like, that well, would be way worse than. And it gets at this notion of stuff. this is a world that doesn't even understand its own history very You know what I mean? Like, everything has sort of been erased. Like, they're right. trying to even come to grips with the room. Like, what ruins do they exist in the middle of, right? They're not even sure. Like, everything has gotten a little bit, like, warped and twisted by that. Another, There's another moment I really liked, uh, sort of in this vein. If you go into Gutgash's territory, uh, who's sort of the second major character you meet, and he's running uh, this, you know, con- the, the, this base, this compound out of uh, the ruins of an old ship. And he's basically trying, he's sort of styling himself as like a Noah-like figure. You know, mm-hmm. we live in the ship because we need mm-hmm. to get ready for when the seas return. Someday right. rain is going to fall and the oceans will rise and all this stuff. Um, and if, as Max, you drive a little ways away from the ship and you pull out your binoculars, uh, as you play them over the ship, um, you'll note, first of all, it, it's broken off at the uh, at the bow. The ship is in right. pieces. Right, that yeah. ship's not taking you anywhere with the water yeah. coming back. Right, and that's the thing. He makes this comment. He just sort of observes, you know, oh, ship looks almost peaceful from here, but <laughs> not seaworthy. But not seaworthy. And right. I kind of love this notion that like these are these people dedicating their lives to this idea of the oceans are going to return, the rain is going to fall, and even if that happens, they're all fucking doomed. You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah. it, they they have no they have no understanding of what even what even the pro- the prophecy that they're waiting for is or what it would mean. I have a question about that briefly. Uh, mm, okay, so here's okay. I have a question <laughs> about that. That is that's going to start sounding like a real like shitty pedantic like, but it isn't Mad Max. Bleh. But actually, I think maybe there's something else deeper than that, which is. That first Mad Max movie takes place, quote, a few years from now, right? (laughs) And it's about the collapse in which lots of living people know what a boat is and know that a boat can't not have a bottom on it if it wants to float. Um, And so partly, I just want to have us talk briefly about, like, why is it that no one remembers how boats work? How far away are we? How quickly did we descend into this? But I guess more more interestingly or, or more... The thing I really wanted to know was like, is this a, is this about trauma? Is this about something that goes past literal specific material knowledge and is more about a sort of emotional knowledge? Is about psychological loss? Is about just or is about this deep cynicism that is very just you know up and down that like oh actually push us away for five years and some things that we thought we knew very clearly will will disappear. I I mean. I will say that my my personal like headcanon interpretation of Mad Max has always been that like Max is quasi supernatural and okay. he's he's lived a really ass long time, which conveniently skirts around yes. like these time things. But like even because I don't know, because then you have to start thinking about like, well, why in the 80s movies is blah, 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 blah. And then you do get really pedantic and, and pointless. Yes. And that's not really what I'm caring about. But I do think there is something to the idea that like, well, maybe this is only like 20 years after, quote unquote, the apocalypse. But one thing that I think is really interesting that the game gets into that not much other Mad Max media gets into is that this apocalypse was really slow. 
Like, right. it was right. like, sure. it was, this was not like, this is not a fallout like, oh, the bombs dropped and then we're screwed. This was like, no, people had pretty normal lives during the events of the quote unquote apocalypse. Right. And I feel like that does reach towards some sort of like, well, this is like a slow generational trauma of like, yo, we thought our lives were this thing. And it's not like we woke up and they weren't. It's like, no, over 20 years, we went from living in a city to living in the small towns outside the city to living in the desert to fucking making cars that have flames that shoot out of them, you know, right. like right. over a period of a, of a rather long time. And I, I don't know. I, I think that that the, the thing that that does like uh, connect with, with, I think, which I think gives it some validity is like, well, that's Max's journey. We know that's Max's journey because even if you like time aside, we know that he was a pretty normal dude who just got really traumatized and spent the rest of his life failing to work through that trauma. And if you want to draw a parallel between that and like the world, you can. I do. I mean, what I'm saying is like, or you can say it's been a hundred years. Like those are your options. Like, no, because, because I think that, I think even that is drawing something right. Which is that like what happened in the world to create a person who would last a hundred years. And, Mm -hmm. and the reason they last a hundred years is because they can't ever process their psychological trauma. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So Cam, I think that's you nipping at the bud. Someone, (laughs) someone has a thing ready to say. No, no, I just I like I've always I take kind of the this is this is a weird thing to say, but I take the Road Warrior very seriously. Good, I'm, listen, yeah, I'm good. here for it. Wait, the movie or the idea? Uh, well, the the concept of my destiny as a Road Warrior. Oh, I see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. But uh, no, but the movie because it's entirely framed by the history man, right? Who's like the the kid right. from the middle right. of the movie, mm-hmm. and, and at the end of that film, we find out that the little kid grows up to be the adult who's telling us the story. And I find the way that that movie frames that 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 whole narrative and the way it's told to be a compelling framework for thinking through the rest of the the movies and and even this game too, of like this this is a myth, right? This is a Max, right. a composite person that might have you know it's kind of mm-hmm. it's I think very much on purpose, kind of Jesus Christy, right? Like there might be a historical figure that matters here, but in reality, it's this big composite myth that a lot of people find importance in mm-hmm. um and that allows us to tell us all kinds of stories about quote-unquote universal themes for our uh like social situation by sure. our i mean the post-apocalyptic people mm-hmm. um so so yeah so that's like how i take the whole thing which is why i think i find the narrative of um of of the game so non-compelling because it is not mythical yes, and it is yes. not yeah it's not about a person like over it is not about the good lessons to learn for your community which is like what myths are all about right it is about a dude who's just kind of a jackass who meets a bunch of people in a row and then does fetch quests for them right it's like it is like the myth the it is like the myth that the uh, that the the tribes cynic would tell to undercut <laughs> yes. the yes. the kind of hero myth of the road warrior. It's like that's not what that motherfucker was about. I knew that guy. Let me tell. Griffa shows up to your tribe one day and is like, "Actually, I knew Max." And let me tell you about Max. He didn't care about anybody ever except himself. He could never help anyone. He could only ever help someone when he made it into something transactional. He will not save you or teach you anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I like it is uh, the the Mad Max universe is a uh, 
kind of a it's you know it's bleak it's post-apocalyptic it, it has little glimmers of hope and that's like what make those stories i think really work there is not a single glimmer of positive hope in this no. game and and, and you know, so i think it fundamentally misunderstands like the stakes mm. of mad max stuff which is where which is where i went 100 agree with you and i i would also say that's what made it so much more frustrating is that fury road exists and Fury Road did all of this, like, in my mind, perfectly. Where it's like, where it's like, it is mythical. You do get, like, this kind of on-the-ground Max stuff. He is kind of just, like, a smarmy dick. But by the end of it, and, like, the way that it's framed, you're not meant to really relate to Max. But the game... You relate to everything Max does. Like you, you're the one who's just going around punching dudes. Like you, you do a Max, lot of punching in this game. It's Max, way too much. Yeah, Max mm-hmm. ceases to be mythical and he becomes mundane and like just kind of a dick. Like, <laughs> so I'll say one thing is that I I wonder how much better this game would make sense if it had maintained its connection to Fury Road as yeah. seemingly was intended during its development cycle. This is a game that that was if you you know by all accounts and if you look into the development stuff like George Miller was involved at an early point in it. Corey, Corey Balrog or Barlog uh was involved for a little while on this project and and there was there was absolutely a goal to kind of tie the two together very directly mm-hmm. and by the time it was released it was kind of non-canonical even though it shared character names that go beyond uh, you know, Mad Max, and even even beyond Morton Joe, who's mentioned briefly here, like the character, um, what is her name? Glory, the mm-hmm. the little girl who dies in this game because this game treats its its women characters really fucking poorly. Uh, is in is the is the little girl who's yelling at Max at the beginning of Fury Road. Uh, now the version that's in Fury Road who's yelling at him is the one from the comic book, but like that comic book feels like an edited version of this game's story exactly. Um, with glory, with you know, like there, it just it's doing all that stuff. And so it, there is a version of this. Like if I had to make peace with the with the narrative here, it's that. Mad Max drives away in the interceptor, and then thirty seconds later, yeah. all of the war boys show up and just fuck him up with the the thunder the thunder the thunder, thunder poons. poons thunder poons. Oh yeah, okay. Um, they can't all be winners. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. Um, and then and then you know the reason that he is the Max he is in that movie is because he'd been the Max he was in this game. But that doesn't solve any of the deeper problems with like the grossness around this story and and around the reduction of every character in this game, but especially the women as mm-hmm. like stepping stones forward for him and never as characters in and of of themselves. Um, which it's just it's bad. It's not great. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to keep talking about story I stuff, think, or should we talk yeah, about I mean, look, punches? I guess for <laughs> me, I just have a much less... I have a much colder view of this franchise, I guess, mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways. Like, I don't think most... Like, I think Fury Road is the outlier. Like, I think Fury Road is is fresh in memory, and it's probably the most spectacular movie of, you know, in, in the franchise, but... It's the only one that leaves me feeling an ounce of like genuine hope or uplift at mm-hmm. the end of it. Like The Road Warrior is a bleak fucking film. Like mm-hmm. I do not yes, like things are better for that community at the end, but 
everything you've seen of that world is that it's squalor all the way down. <sighs> it's squalor and precarity all the way down. Um, it's he is helping people maintain the most gruesome sort of subsistence, uh, you know, in this wasteland I- imaginable. Um, and yes, he does put down some really bad, so, some really bad dudes. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, like I don't really look at the Mad Max franchise and see a really strong message f- for on behalf of like community and forging bonds with other people like fury road i feel that very palpably uh-huh. uh you know through like through its arc through the character of furiosa and sort of the the fact it ends on an actual revolution and water be like and and mm-hmm. a potentially limitless source of water being tapped that movie for me is the outlier for me, like this game feels very much of a piece of the Mad Max movies that I've seen in the past and didn't particularly like because they were so grim, because they were so unrelentingly bleak. Um, well, I, I mean, I think that that's the I think that's the power. And this is why I care so much about the Road Warrior, because I think that that's right for the, the first and the third movies. But but what is so a uh, glimmer of hope for me at the end of the Road Warrior in particular is, yes, like this is not a world that is accessible for Max. Like he does, you know, have to go off and become the cowboy that mm-hmm. can't be re-brought into society. I mean, this is like classic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Western cinema kind of stuff, but that the the people of that community are going to their promised land and the final monologue of the history man being old implies that they yeah. got there, yeah, right? Like, there, yeah, there is right. this... The fact that the story can be told means that that Mad Max is the agent of it happening. And I think this is kind of what Dante was talking about earlier. Like, Rob, I think you're a million percent correct. It, because the problem is that this can't be... Like, it has to be nihilistic and pessimistic for Max. Yeah. And the fact that we are focusing in on Max in the game is what creates, like, the inability of seeing positivity. Because positivity always happens for other characters when when it occurs. Except for here, where the game is just not interested in that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's, there's like, a yeah, version the of failure. this game where, where, right, where you leave Jeet's territory, you leave Gut Gash's territory... And the last thing you do is, you know, you've, you've secured, even if it is transactional, you've secured the part for them to fix their ship. The rain may never come, but if it does, their ship will be ready, right? Mm-hmm. And there is something there. That's just not it, right? That's just not the thing. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, I think, the thing that we probably mostly agree upon, which is that the driving feels really good. And I'm curious <laughs> if there is a way to pull that like, what does the version of this game look like that does zero in on that stuff? I, I mean, I think this was one of the big notes from the form users, uh, user Siffers and Mango and Yuri Librarian. Uh, actually, no, Yuri Librarian actually disagreed here, which is interesting. But but Siffers notes, uh, the amount of time spent outside the car becomes truly egregious and never feels dangerous. For a setting in which the car is supposedly your lifeline and can raise to a, uh, and can rise to a DD-like symbol, it sure does a lot of making you get out of your car. Um, I didn't realize the scope of this issue until I had thoroughly uh, lost a fight in a car-to-car combat, pulled off the road to repair. I was sure that this was over, that the war boys were just going to run me over and call it a day. Instead, they pulled up, stopped the car, 
and got out. Uh, and then it became a fist fight. And I think that that's really telling because I think this combat's pretty okay. I think it's like an all right version of the Arkham Asylum model with some good wrestling moves in there. There's some really good German suplexes in here. Um, <laughs> and in a game that didn't have this other mode of, of, of interaction, this other mode of being, which is driving the fuck around and slamming your car into things and taking cool jumps, I wouldn't even notice that the that the on foot combat was any was was more mediocre uh, than the the next nearest Arkham Asylum knockoff. You know, so so how do y'all feel about that stuff? I I will say this is like my one thing that I'm coming into this with is like I have 100%ed one game in my life and it's Arkham Knight and I don't okay. really even know that's why. Not, that's, a, that's a one to choose. That's yeah. a lot of Riddler puzzles. Yeah, yeah no, it's a it's a like, whole fuck ton of Riddler puzzles. That's uh, it's, the a, first it's the third one. Big it's the third open, one. Yeah. Oh, it's the third one. What's the Arkham mm-hmm. City is Arkham, the second one, right? Yeah. Jeez, yeah. you wait, you've 100 percented Arkham yeah, Knight. It's really bad. <laughs> that's like the Joel Silver one. It's really it bad. <laughs> I mean, like, well, because I, I needed to get that secret ending. Okay, anyway, there's, um, the reason I bring that up is because obviously, like, yeah, the Arkham games, I am, I'm familiar with their combat systems. And Mad Max has always felt like it was perfectly passable. Like, I, right. I didn't hate it. There were some people who I know, like, really didn't like it. And I was like, I don't know. It's fine. It does everything I want it to. And I really enjoy that type of combat. Um, I will say, the way someone someone who you're reading off the comments uh, in, in the forum said something to this effect, but like the way that it deals with like the hybrid car combat foot combat is yeah. really weird. Like, yeah, because you can do that. I know this because, like, you can kind of manipulate the game into, like, okay, my car is dying, so I'm just going to get out of it because it, like, aggro pulls all the enemies to get out of their cars, which yep. doesn't make any sense because me as Max, I'm running over all of them if I can. Like, yep. are you kidding me? But if I don't you know. park your car next to a rock, they're like, oh, out. what? Okay, time to fight. And I'm like, why are you doing this? Like,. <laughs> It's a bad, it's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. It's rough. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Did the, I'll say the, the, the one downside for me in the car stuff was the failure for it to – this game doesn't let me build different cars, really. It lets yeah, me build better yeah, cars. It lets yeah. me put different – like a different case on it. But like I, I came into it expecting to be like, oh, do I want like the real tough burly brawler car or do I want the one that goes real fast? But it, and yeah. not only does it not let me do that in terms of what the skill trees are, but it also doesn't – it doesn't even let me do it like 
because everything is 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 unlocked at the same rate, basically, it doesn't really even let me have moments where I feel particularly burly or particularly fast. And I wouldn't need to. The game doesn't demand that of me. It demands that I be like pretty much down the road all the way, although down the middle, uh, all the way through the game. It implies that that will matter. Like they introduced the archangel yeah, idea. I know. Where it, it, it's, are, it's like, and look, you know, I love me some chum bucket. But like he does not, he, like he doesn't sell it. Like he's like, oh, no. we got we got to put these different these different archangels for the magnum opus, and sorry. it's all these different. <laughs> like, sorry, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. We gotta go back. Sorry, Rob, was that one more time? Can I get yeah, that? Can you? Uh, no, just, uh, that's out. fine. Just uh, no, <laughs> uh, no. I mean, so Chum Bucket says, uh, Max, my dear boy. Oh right. Uh, we, <laughs> we need to create different archangels yeah. uh whereupon we can put them on the magnum opus. Um <laughs> and so it's this idea of these purpose-built uh versions of the magnum opus that will be like good at some things and they'll you know they'll excel at certain things. They'll be for something. And that goes by the wayside because like the archangel idea ends up being kind of pointless cuz yeah. You yeah. still want the max level everything. Yep. There's, and there's, a, no, everything's kind of broken by the engine mechanic, which is just straight upgrades. Everything else yeah, has yeah. sort of give and take, but the engines are just like, no, a bigger engine is always better in every circumstance. And I'm like, but, okay. Well, yeah. And there are things that are just like, the harpoon is the same way, yeah, the, yeah. the fire yeah. thing is the same way. And I think maybe even more importantly than this is, I do so much more fist fighting in this game than drive stuffing than drive stuffing that if I'm going to have scrap, the first thing I'm going to upgrade is actually Max himself because that's where I'm going to have combat trouble. I want more life or or I guess uh, more armor or whatever. Mm. I want all of my moves unlocked. I want better knuckle dusters. I want more gun ammo. Um, And that's really boring because that's the part of the game that isn't that exciting to do. And you do it so much and so many fights end with like the same copy-paste boss fight against a big dude. Which I get. In the post-apocalypse, I feel like the true like mini-bosses will be the big dudes among us. If you have like a seven-foot-tall like burly burly boy, he's gonna be a mini boss in the in the post apocalypse. I just wish so we my got day a is coming. More. Basically, your day is here. <laughs> your, day's, your day's coming. <laughs> L- a-, L A Rob is definitely a mini boss in Mad Max too. L <laughs> A Rob, that no, that's your Mad Max name. Why didn't we know you said? Why didn't we notice that? That's true. That's true. Uh, as far as the driving goes, I like. I love I, I love the dri- I love the driving and I love the way this game looks and the way those two things interact. Like it's tough for me to put my finger on, but yeah, um, like the way the camera moves yeah. over the ground as the car yeah. is like bouncing along yeah. broken terrain. Like the camera will sort of like twist and wiggle on different axes uh, that are sort of independent of your car. Like the the camera feels like it too is like. In a chase car, going over the same broken ground, that's a really good and note. Trying yeah. to stay on your tail, mm-hmm. and so like, I never got, I never got bored of just driving around this wasteland because even getting from point A to point B, if nothing happened at all, it still felt like this epic dramatic moment with you know weird lens effects that my headlights briefly like being framed like as these like coruscating mm-hmm. beams coming out the front of the car and then you know wheels away into the night all that stuff looks feels fantastic and goes a long way to making a fairly repetitive and simplistic open world design feel fresh uh as you go through it 
Yeah. I love the the ways in which these cars turn around, t- take corners, especially. Yeah. These, like, there's a sort of drifting. There are two types of drifting in the world. One is the way you drift down Japanese mountains, as as you mm. may have seen in Initial D or in uh, Tokyo, like, Fast and the Furious, Tokyo like Drift. Toge Racing. Oh. To- exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the other is this sort of post-apocalyptic, huge, wide arcing turns that you can only do when there are no roads, mm-hmm. where when you're, where your tail whips out, you know, but behind you and kind of comes to a, a, a slow, bouncy stop and, and kind of realigns itself. And I think, like, I'm watching footage of this game now. So much is that camera, that, that tail cam. You're not wrong, uh, Rob. That does feel like, some it's like it's a handheld camera, which is a very rare th- and, and you have to keep reorienting to it around your yeah. car because your car, yeah. like if it turns, the camera isn't going to turn with it. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So you actually have to keep reorienting orienting it yourself, mm-hmm. uh, which means that during those sweeping turns, chances are you end up lagging behind the turn, and right. so the car goes skidding one way. The camera stays pointing its original direction, and so you get these great views of just like. You know, dust getting kicked up from the uh-huh. tires, the wheels spinning for traction. Yeah. It's tremendous. The mm-hmm. It's like it emphasizes the turn. I feel like that's especially true when you pull down the scarecrows. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you like mm-hmm. get, you catch it with the, the tow cable uh, and just like pull that thing away and your, the, your front tires lift up off the ground. Oh, that, that feels so good. <laughs> Well, These, it, it actually reminded going. me a whole lot. I, I, I really like the way this conversation is happening, especially, Austin, you talking about how these are the kind of turns you can only do when there are no roads, mm-hmm. because this feels incredibly similar to the driving in Mafia 3 to me. Oh, that's um, interesting. Which is okay. another game with, like, wide turns. Mm-hmm. And, You're uh, right. C- slightly out of control and the camera very specifically does not catch up with you on a turn mm, and yeah. people found that infuriating yeah i mean that got good. you know <laughs> annihilated and i really enjoyed it in that game yeah. but as soon as i started playing in this game i was like oh this is the similar kind of thing you're not wrong and mm. but weirdly enough i i then if maybe fitting it into a pre-existing game experience i had or something like that uh i did get bored driving mm-hmm. i didn't find it particularly engaging after the first couple hours which is a bummer i I felt like it was a chore after a while i definitely ended up liking just driving around like that part stayed with me the thing that i thought i would love forever was convoys and that stopped being the thing i was excited by eventually and that wasn't that was a huge surprise to me because people had really spoken them up and i don't know it just it didn't eventually those lost their splendor for me but like the the light hitting my car just that special way as the sunset and it, everything kind of turned pink or like you know turn you know busting through the the wall of the storm and entering the God. middle of that storm God. that stuff still feels really fucking <laughs> so great. Cool. Okay, what, what, what <laughs> I, I I wait, wait just oh I, yeah go ahead I want to talk I, I want to just touch this briefly because like okay convoys yo um I. I think that I was talking to someone about this recently, but like I honestly feel like that should have just been the game. Yes, like yes, why they should have built a whole game around that, that, target- that had way more depth. Right, because sure. because another thing that I realized that I didn't like realize I didn't like think about until after I'd finished the game is there's one truck in this game, and it's the yeah. final final boss. It, like yep. there's one big ass vehicle, and like while I do think <laughs> and that it's not even that big, it's not, it's not even, even that, that big. big. It's not even that big. It's not as big as the War Rig. It's not as big as the War Rig yeah. and the Fury Road. Anyway. But the the one thing I will say is, like, I think that this game, what what kept me liking the driving a lot was that I never felt 
I never felt like these are performance cars. They never felt like they always mm. felt like you're struggling yeah. to like start them up. Like you're struggling to like <laughs> get enough initial momentum to keep them barreling forward. And I really, really liked that feeling. Um, because I mean, it's, it's perfect. It's perfectly Mad Max. That's of course what you want from a Mad Max title. Um, but yeah, the convoys, uh, I wish they were bigger and more. Those, that's yeah. my thoughts on the convoys because I enjoyed the the action of them. I felt it bizarre that they were like a side activity. Yeah. <laughs> like, There's like, very rarely anything like them in the main story content. Yeah. It's so weird. And also, here, here's another note that, that I maybe is even speaks back to a lot of what we were talking about before in terms of the goals of this game not necessarily being in line with what works with Mad Max as a franchise. Um you're always the chaser in this. You're always the mm. one who's who's giving mm. chase to mm. the convoy, attacking the convoy. What made the chase sequences in Fury Road so special were that they were on the defensive or yeah. they were trying to bust through. And and you know, it's the war rig and maybe another car. Eventually the bikes, you know, but it, it's a, it's a, it's a small force versus a big one. And you're never under siege in that way in this game. Um, and it would have been really cool to, because I feel like this game, I, I feel like I would have, there are a few, there are a few moments where you, in the, in a convoy fight, you can start to feel a little overwhelmed when there are like four or five enemy cars that like kind of pile it around you and you lose the ability to disengage the way you might want to. And I would love to have had that feeling from being attacked instead of being the aggressor where like my goal would be to get away not my goal would be to stay engaged long enough to win this fight um and i think again i think that just says something right this is a game about winning a fight it's not a game about crossing the plains it's not a game about survival it's a game about killing other things um and that limits the perspectives that, that you might see put put to play yeah, I think part of the problem for me, with like, I like the convoys in concept, and I especially liked when you were chasing a convoy, and maybe you took a turn wrong, or uh-huh. you thought you were going to take a mm-hmm. shortcut, and you didn't take a shortcut, <laughs> so then you have to catch up with them maybe again. Maybe you're in a canyon or something. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, or you just ran directly into a wall. That yep. happened to me more than one time. But there is something... Uh, like what makes the Fury Road convoy stuff and even the Road Warrior convoy stuff so exciting is there are like moments where someone fires a harpoon gun, you know, or whatever at an assailant and it kind of deflects off or it does something bad, you Mm -hmm. know, like it kind of half sticks in or it sticks into the uh, fuel tank and that makes the other car slow down. Yeah. That kind of stuff. This is literally like you whip your harpoon around and whoop sorry you need a level four harpoon so <laughs> that is yeah. sorry about that you might as well just not have bothered and like that is a huge motivation killer like yeah. in the middle of that like a very tense and like like rob was talking about the camera it just like whips around perfectly and it goes into slow-mo mm-hmm. like so many great parts are in that that are ruined by like basic video game ass stuff which is a bummer yeah it's it's this complete failure to build systems around the car combat that will keep it fresh like the yeah the idea of <sighs> there's a version of this game where damage is super modular and it matters yeah, a great yeah. deal like what component do you target with the harpoon oh you whipped right, it you didn't hit the zero dawn t- style of like sub component or like the tie mm-hmm. fighter version god where... <laughs> oh that'd be good <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be very good so, I mean, stuff like that would have been really cool. Um, more to do than, like, 
yes, it is fun to go like barreling into somebody at a hundred miles an hour and just like smashing them. But for for one thing, like it never looks as spectacular as it feels like it should. You know, what I mean, the car kind of bounces off, but it's really only until you've chipped enough damage that a car really just like explodes the way you want it to. Right when mm-hmm. when you really t bone it. Um, but more more than that, it's just this. The, the entire damage model, the way the combat works, is just way too much about, like, grinding other cars down until they run out of hit points and explode. And, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Cam. Like, I am dying for this this version that is a little bit more like those battles in the desert in Fury Road, where, like, you know, lines are getting fouled, there's people on your car. Um, like, yeah. if there were some... It, and if your shotgun wasn't just a magic, like, death wand that you can, like, wave at fuel components <laughs> mm-hmm. and, like, cause cars to explode, mm-hmm. yeah. but is instead, like, a little bit more Mad Max-like where you are desperately trying to, like, work a sawed-off onto your driver's side window to blow someone <laughs> off it, like, I miss all that shit. Like, the combat... I, I love driving in this world. I didn't love car combat as much as I thought I would. Yeah. I mean, I gotta say, is this a case of all of us on this call just being more attracted to, like, simulation-y games? Because I, I, cause I feel like a lot of the complaints we're saying is, like, yeah, it's too arcade Like, the, you, you just it hit the button Warrior. and stuff happens. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I want yeah. that. But, but I feel like the game that they were making, and I'm not saying I agree with this exactly, is, like, but the game that they were making feels like, well, you know what's really hot right now? Uh, Batman. <laughs> Like, what if right. we make, like, an open world game, but, like, it looks like Mad Max and there's cars? And, like, I think they somewhat succeeded at that, although I'm very much with all of everyone else, I think, in <laughs> saying, like, I would have preferred the game that was a little tighter, was, okay. a little more, was a little more fiddly, you know? Was a little more, like, modular damage and you got to care about, like, what stuff's on your car and shooting is a difficult, arduous task, you know? Sure, but, like, I, I guess I'd say let's contrast this, though, with, like, Just Cause 2 or 3, right. which Just Cause 2 is this team, right? Mm-hmm. And that game is no more modular, let's say, but it feels at any moment like more could happen. Um, because mm-hmm. you can go into stunt position, because you are tethering things together, uh, because uh, there are so many more objects in the world that can explode in weird ways and change the effect of what's happening. And I'm not, I don't necessarily think that Just Cause 2 holds up as well as maybe it did that one summer that it took us all by surprise. Um, no, it, it really does. Uh, I've really played good. it okay. past year. It's still really good. Right. And so, but, but like, I guess my question is like, so then can, if you played it recently, mm-hmm. does it still feel like at any moment, any fight could become this like <clears throat> totally um, almost surreal uh, uh, action sequence where, it becomes it becomes like the classic story factory, right? The classic like super not emergent necessarily, but like um, uh, d- dynamic uh, yes. action sequence. It does feel that way, but there are like immediately a million reasons why that is true that come to mind. The first is that it has kind of the Grand Theft Auto style wanted system, right. which means mm. that it can constantly populate the local combat scenario with right. more and more stronger, uh, you know, enemies. So it's you know the reason that it's dynamic feeling is that the game is just constantly pumping stronger stuff right, the reason you. Is it is dynamic is it the is dynamic, right? <laughs> right and right. for fiction reasons right you can't i mean theoretically you could but it feels to me like they want to keep the abandoned you but know you survival could, because think about the convoys think about seeing yeah. the dust of the convoys as it oh, is God, already yeah. on the distance game has such gorgeous and dust 
It's, okay, yeah, it's dust. Incredible dust. But imagine seeing the, the the dust of a convoy coming at yeah. you from the distance. Oh, it, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? That would be incredible. God. Yeah, you just say that there's like a wanted area, right? right and then they right. patrol the area afterward, and you can get longer All effects. Right. And we know that like those games, or those systems were in games five, six years ago. So like people know knew about those kind of design ideas um another reason that i think and i think this is really big for me i played this on the playstation from the playstation plus stuff Mm -hmm. and in just cause in just cause 2 which i was playing on the xbox 360 when i played it most recently uh the time between death and reloading is like 15 seconds 10 seconds maximum the load times on the ps4 version i would like whip out my phone when i died i would get my phone out and i would like check twitter and like respond to things Things, and then I would come back to it because it's literally a minute and a half to right. forever. That, uh, and I think that really matters. Yeah, like, it does. I mean, we we can talk about like the most classic versions of this of like Tony Hawk levels. You can restart in a half second, yes. and I kind of want my action games to feel like Tony Hawk. Le- and Just Cause Two does right. Just Cause Two yeah, is the Tony Hawk yeah. Pro Skater two or three of action games so i mean i guess tony hawk pro skater two or three is the tony hawk pro skater two or three of action games but you get what i'm saying mm-hmm. um uh we should briefly we've been like dancing around it a little bit the dust looks great the sky boxes oh, look so incredible uh i don't know that i've seen skies that look better than this outside of like halo games maybe and that's a, such a different thing that I even feel bad about the comparison a little bit. You know what? This reminded me a lot of, like, this brought back memories of Prince of Persia Sands of Time. Mm. Like, do you remember when you'd climb to the top of the towers at night in that game? And, like, you'd look over as all, like, all those, like, cursed sands were blowing across the desert and just, like, smothering it in that, like, mm-hmm. ever-widening dust storm and, like, swallowing up the city around you. And it just had this, like, menacing beauty uh, to it. This game, like, brought those memories rushing back because, like, you see similarly just, like, eerie, creepy sights. Like, the fact you become acutely aware that you're driving around what used to be an ocean when you, like, come to the edge, like, one of the edges of the world and you look out and you see these massive mountains, but they're in these trenches, you know, because mm-hmm. it's the ocean. But you see these massive mountains sort of shrouded in this, like, eerie haze. Um, that like really brings out the sense of like alienness and hostility. Um, it's it's really incredible to see, and it feels like it's of a piece. Like when the storm blows up, it feels like the skybox has come alive and is mm-hmm. interacting with you, which is something that most games that boast great skyboxes don't really do. The skybox is something that implies a world that you can never really reach. It's never really brought to you. Right in Mad Max. Uh, that world can sort of strike at any time. Yeah. It's, it's static, stuff- and, and then it becomes not static in a yes. very noticeable way. <clears throat> um, those moments of deciding to drive into the, into the storms are... I wish more games had moments like that. Um, obviously, they, they kind of tease you, and they say, hey, there's really good upgrades in there if you can find them. Um, that are like from these kind of floating scrap boxes. Um, but, but just the feeling of like, all right, I am going to hit the pedal and drive into this wall of dust is, 
like, I'm sure someone early on in the production of this game wrote that down and like, we have to figure out how that should feel awesome and scary all at once. Like awesome in the, in the, the like de- dictionary definition version of the word awesome. And they did that. And that was shocking to me. Uh, I didn't expect to actually like those that much. Did y'all go diving into the storm as much at all, or, or were you just kind of ducking out and hiding while they blew around? Well, I, I definitely dove in, but I would also say, like, the ducking out is just as interesting. Like, sure. that, like it, 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 it reminded me a lot. So, <coughs> confession, I have not played Breath of the Wild yet, but I've listened to a million people talk about Breath of the Wild. And at this uh-huh. point, like, I feel like, oh, yeah, the storm mechanic in that feels similar in that, like... It's not impossible to play in the storm. It just dramatically changes the way that you uh, interact with the world. And like for mm-hmm. me in Mad Max, that meant like, okay, it was it was the one time in the game where I did feel pursued, right? It was the one time in the game where I was like, right. okay, That's I, a good can't, point. I can't do anything about this. I just got to keep going. I got to get out of here right now. And that was really cool. Um, you can't hop out of the car and have a fist fight. No, with yeah, the storm. you can't. It's like the yeah. one thing in the game that doesn't allow you to do that. So yeah. I appreciate that. Totally. Um, any other major points here about about the kind of the aesthetics, about the mechanics, anything in that in that space? Uh, I mean, do we, do we want to talk briefly about why this is an open world game? Yeah. Do you have an, a, do you have an answer? An answer? Like, <laughs> I, I, but right, like other than you know what Dante was saying earlier, right? Of like, well, that's what's in vogue, you know, um, for the okay. release window. Avalanche is one, one answer. Oh, is Avalanche yeah. knows how to make those games? Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not that was the right choice as a developer, whether or not that was a a uh, whether they could have made like a level based game or something. I I bet they could have. Um, but it wasn't. It isn't what their expertise is in. So I'll say oh, that. Oh, let me let me let me rephrase this. Why yes. is this an Ubisoft style open sure. world game? Because because it's not like an Avalanche open no. world game. No, like even a little bit. I oh, we'll see I when Rage Two comes out, and if Rage Two is more like this <laughs> than like Just Cause Two, we'll have to have to revisit what an Avalanche open world game is. Right. That's that's true. I mean, um, I I feel like that. I feel like it's kind of like partially like it's a consequence of like, well, it's a Mad Max game and like it's a Mad Max game made in 2015 where they're like, hey, the fantasy of Mad Max is always about to a degree about like openness and about like it's a it's a world that you can that is completely different that you can completely explore because it's the post apocalypse. Like it's the same fantasy of like Fallout, I guess. But like, but just that fantasy about riding balloons very slowly but into see, the sky. No. But see, that's what I mean. Is like that stuff is completely. It feels so like antithetical to the world that they're creating. But it's required because that's how we traverse open worlds. Like it, that I agree. Like it felt really frustrating and like weird because it's like Max is not an explorer. Like that's not. <laughs> like that, like right. that's not part of his character. Um, he's a scavenger. Why would a scavenger care about? I mean, maybe a scavenger. I don't know locations of resources. I don't know. It, yeah, that's why locations well, of resources. Yes, there like, you Mad yeah, Max is a guy you can you can envision getting to a high place with a pair of binoculars because he has a specific purpose in mind. You know what I mean? Like yes. you can see him. Yes. Like I need to murder somebody in there, or I need to mm-hmm. steal something in there. But you don't like you don't envision Mad Max being like. Ah, yes, a dirigible. I must climb aboard <laughs> and soar above this land and in- yes, inventory yes, everything uh, around me. Right, well, in which, this way... Which is why I wonder. 
Oh, go no. ahead. You go ahead. Yeah, well, but it's just why I wonder, right? Because this is Mad Max is closer to Rico from just uh, the Just Cause games than he is to uh, any of the Assassin's Creed, you know, bros, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like, for them, it is about, like, surveying the space and knowing the ins and outs of everything that's happening and what who that shopkeeper is and do they sell fabric and can I hide in that bush <laughs> and all that stuff. But, like, Rico is, you know, just, like, this super spy CIA dude, hitman, basically. Mm-hmm. And he, like, cares about the fact that there is a fortress there and that he can fly to it and they can like wingsuit into it and that's and mad it. max feels the same way yeah right well like here's my like super predictable austin walker answer to this is it was like this because breath of the wild didn't exist yet um <laughs> sure. but i think more honestly or, or more more accurately it's because the way that ideology functions is to disclose possibilities right like th- this is the way the game works because this is the way the game yeah. works yeah. Mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and it's one of the reasons why i do value breath of the wild so much is <clears throat> nintendo could have made mad max nintendo could have given you it's so easy to imagine breath of the wild with with balloons where you get into a little balloon and it plays a little song as the balloon goes up and then you look around the world and put and like and it it adds things to your map for you and instead link ends up being a lot more like what max should be like which is like which is what Dante was saying, which is, where are resources? What could mm-hmm. I go do? Uh, is there something cool for me over there, uh, you know, to to figure out? I mean, for that matter, Breath of the Wild is also kind of a post-apocalyptic game that does a better job of presenting communities and making you feel, you know what? I'm going to say <laughs> Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is my favorite Mad Max game. So oh, We got there. Okay, got the one, there. one thing I was He even has say- a motorcycle now, so that's like... <laughs> So there it is, he, vehicles. You know, yeah. he has vehicles. There you go. Um, I was going to say, though, there was an alternate model of open world game, and it was the Batman games. And I don't understand. Sure. Like, the Batman games don't have towers. I mean, they do have towers, but they're not for scouting things. They're uh, in, like, I yeah, am you're weirdly right. an Arkham Knight fanboy now, but, like, but I do feel <sighs> like, but I do feel like those games did, I think, create, like, well, this world isn't, like, artificially gated by, like, knowledge gates, which are basically what those towers are, right? Where it's, like, you look around mm-hmm. and then you see things. Um, but it still felt hostile and it still felt open. And I and it felt like they conveyed that sense better than the Mad Max games did. Because in the Mad Max game, it was like, ah, oh, Max has to pull out his binoculars every, you know, every three miles and make sure he knows where the next <sighs> healing zone is. Like, I, I think th- it feels like there's there's an idea here in the game that almost works like on the map there are the major locations that are sort of sketched out on the map like they're part of the map art right like here are the major landmarks and you see them on your journey through the wasteland like you will see you like you can see gas town for ages before you ever get there like you can see it yeah. off there in the distance that part's great i like yeah. that quite yeah. a bit and it yeah. This is one of the things, one of the cool things about like uh, Fury Road, again, is that the entire movie almost takes place within Telescope's eye view of uh, Immortan Joe's uh, stronghold, right? Like he, he sees things happening way the fuck out there in the desert. Yeah. But there's this idea of the desert is largely flat and featureless. But there are these places of like meaning and power and maybe even the barest measure of hope out there in the landscape. And a big part of the idea of Mad Max, not the game, but just the the conceit of the the, the universe, 
is that you were forever journeying between these the, the between these points, right? It is a, it is a journey mm-hmm. demarcated by places of menace and abuse and terror, and places of hope and uh, like humanity. Um, that is, I think, the best version of what this game is almost going for, and it, I think it actually might have even gotten there, except. Except that it becomes so fucking Ubisoft open world. Not just, I don't even mind the balloons that much. It is the fact that they felt the need to scatter so much shit around that world, like birdseed. Like it's Mad Max, but Mad Max is a fat pigeon in a park. And the wasteland is just a kindly old retiree with just an endless bag of Wonder Bread. That is how that game feels. And I think that's where it goes wrong. Because you end up like running around, hoovering up all these little pieces of scavenge, uh, pieces of of, of scrap. God, there's so much of it, and none of it's worth anything. Yes. It takes you so long. <laughs> Get out of your car, grab five, was, oh, five scrap. Congratulations, that was, rich. That was my that was my biggest frustration with the game as I like kept going. Is like. None of this matters, and there's nothing even to spend no. it on because you pretty quickly get like infinite spouts of money by just like uh, fixing up the the zones or whatever, and then they just yeah, give yeah, you yeah. money. And then it's right. like well, they also they give you the ability to hoover to literally yeah, hoover up yes. all the scrap, but only after you've already done all the fucking stuff inside that zone. It's the, and worst the first time of when I got that ability. When I got that ability, I was like, oh, thank God, finally. And I realized it was only in Jeet's territory. Yeah. I, I, no, I have to stop playing today. I can't do this. I can't do any more of this than I've already done. Well, and and so. it just felt like there was – that game felt to me like – like, for example, they have one of the weirdest things to me in that game, which is the the side quest slash hint people scattered in the wasteland. Yeah. And they're all, like, the same stock animation – they're like randomized looks. They're also bizarrely the only thing you cannot skip. You can't like press X and skip past their dialogue. Oh, right. It's yes. really weird. Yes. Um, and then and then you're like, and most of the time they're telling you something I already know, or they're saying like, and here's some scrap for your service. And I'm like, I don't need this, man. Like, oh, man. what Just, are you I, doing? <laughs> choicest moment, like early in the game, I run into one of the uh, wastelanders, and yeah. it's somebody dying in the desert. And they're like, oh, I got caught by the by the scabs, and oh, I got too greedy. Please end it and take my scrap. And the game is like, <laughs> the game is like, put the wastelander it? out of its out of his misery. <laughs> and I'm like, sure, I guess, but what? How do I do that? I'll just I'll just tap square next to it and see what happens. Max curb stomps the fucking oh wastelander. Like there's nothing merciful about it. It is fucking God. like it is just him like boot not even to, like boot to the center of the guy's back. Like basically you just like explode the guy's spine and organs Jesus and like Christ. that does the job. And it's like thank thank you Max. You're true. You truly are the good Samaritan. Have some scrap. And it just felt like that was such a that was such a lost opportunity for some really cool storytelling outside of the city zones that just doesn't happen. Like the city zones are the only place where you find quote unquote friendly NPCs other than these wastelanders. And these wastelanders tell you nothing and, and the thirsty nothing. people and they're yeah yeah what yeah whatever I'm, right. just, I'm just calling the wastelanders I guess but yeah um, but yeah they they tell you nothing they mean nothing they're pointless and they just feel like such a weird artifact of like well we gotta have something out here it's like right <laughs> i guess like, and if any of those characters in the cities were more memorable and more yeah. personable or more not even likable necessarily but intriguing 
you wouldn't even we wouldn't even notice that there were all the the that the random wastelanders weren't that good because we'd be we'd be talk, we'd be busy talking about the cool characters inside of the more inside of the settlements it and that's not what we're doing. Buddy system. It I, needs I a Far say, Cry Two yeah. buddy system. Wait, I don't know. We well, already got Chum Bucket, don't you? Isn't the only buddy you ever <laughs> He's need? really good, but imagine G, like just his weird, yeah. his weird, like hyperactive yeah. pattern. He always sounds like he's just been like chewing like instant coffee crystals for like the last three days. You know, just yeah, well, that'd be cool. That'd I was gonna cool. say like this game could just use a fucking dialogue wheel. <laughs> like this game, like if this game had like detailed conversations with these people in these settlements, it would actually make I would actually care about going to them. You know, well, I mean, there's another model of the open world yeah. is the Bioware style or yeah. the Elder Scrolls style open world also exists in which you aren't you aren't uh, prizing the sort of like map uh, uncovering stuff so mm-hmm. much as you are going to new places that have characters and plots for you to understand yeah. whether or not you're talking about Bioware or, or Bethesda. Right. Uh, and you don't we don't really get that here. We get like a little bit of that stuff. But like most of the side quests are are kind of dreadful honestly yeah, like i've gone into too many caves looking for too many old boots or whatever the fuck this game wants me to find <laughs> did anyway, you like the memories how I feel. the historical um, artifacts some of them i think yeah. it was a very hit or miss you know there there is a historical artifact of a motorcycle and mad what? max says what what the hell is this thing <laughs> it's right. a picture <laughs> Of a motorcycle. Yeah, people hey, in we, the post-apocalypse have motorcycles. Right, oh, like not Link in this game, from though, The Legend actually. of Zelda Breath in the Wild. We've been over this. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He, has, it this is, is, he sees a truck. Right, so what the fuck is it, that? It, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, it might not be his reaction. I think it might be written on the back of it. As right. if someone was sifting through the waste and pulled out a picture of a motorcycle and they were like, what the shit? They and then, read, they, and then they, they wrote the story on it. Yet, and then so. they were like, I need to make sure. Whoever it, it's finds like this. When you, it's like when you get a book from a used bookstore. It's like The Great Gatsby. And it's like, uh, you know, there's the the eyes and there's uh-huh. just a question mark beside it. Like, eyes. Eyes. What could that what could eyes billboard? mean? I mean, yeah, it could be anything. I, the thing is, I really liked some of those history relics because, okay, like I was mentioning a long while back, I was like, uh, I think this game does conversate with the before times in a way that is makes it very clear that, like, no, nah, it was a slow apocalypse. People didn't know what they were right. doing. And I like that lore, and I love that world building, and it means nothing to this game. So, like, I mean, like, that's fine. It's whatever. But, like, it is kind of cool. Like, there were some that were like, yeah, I'm just going over to my aunt's to see uh, if I can just chill here until this all blows over. And then it's like, you find it in, like, a abandoned shack on the top of a, mil- a mountain or something. And it's like... Where two skeletons are playing chess. Yeah, where two skeletons are playing chess. <laughs> skulls by the toilet. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I think that stuff works, sort of. Yeah. I, in this conversation, for very goofy reasons, notably that I have the desire to go, a motorcycle? <laughs> and like Solid Snake would, I realize there's a, there's another model of open world game that we should have mentioned, because it came out the same day that Mad Max did, oh, wow. which is Metal Gear Solid Five. Oh. Um, uh, which I'm playing that game right now. What do you think of it? Oh, I, I I mean, I played it when it came out, but oh, I'm okay. replaying it at the same time, and I was interspersing it with it in Mad Max. Mm-hmm. Uh, in comparison, Mad Max feels like it was made in 2007, or right. perhaps for the PlayStation 2. <laughs> I mean, it, the the difference of imagination of what yes. those kind, what what the kind of interactions that the they wanted to do 
in those two games are there's a a, a vast gulf between those things. That is and and I mean like the you know I have lots of issues with Metal Gear as a franchise and even just Metal Gear Solid 5 as a as a work. It's it's way too long. It does it also has very little respect for women or really for many of its characters or for the notion of storytelling. Uh but I actually think that as an open world action game, it is the sort of dynamic uh, a game that we want with lots of different player verbs and lots of, of interesting uh, enemy reactions and AI reactions and a buddy system uh, and good music uh, and some interesting weather moments. Um, it, it's driving is not as good, but how could it be, you know? Um, and it's not as it's, – it's skyboxes, not as pretty. No. But the fact that, like, I, I realize now I was playing, yeah, Metal Gear Solid Five when this came out. Of course – of course, I wasn't going to yeah. play something that on its face looked so committed to the U- – this thing was like voting for the Ubisoft model. Like uh, – I'm trying to think of a good political <laughs> analogy, but I'm too tired. Uh, someone who – to this – oh, <laughs> this game is voting for, for uh, the Ubisoft model the way people in my life still think Joe Biden should run for president. Yeah. It's like yeah. just completely disconnected from the realities of the situation. <laughs> well, yeah. And so. also, I would say, notably popular to, I would say, scared stockholders. You know, like the, this is the type of game. <laughs> right. This is the type of game that I'm sure. And I mean, I don't know. I don't want to like blame some poor devs at Avalanche, but I'm sure it was like someone higher up was like, well, we got the Mad Max license. What do you want to do with it? It's like, well, we can't screw this up. Like, uh, I guess we'll make a game about driving in the apocalypse. All right, cool. Right. Send it off to presses. Like, well, I, and I imagine if this game ships a year earlier, if I imagine if this game keeps some of its of its staff on board, I imagine uh-huh. if this game kind of keeps Miller on board and, and some of the weird stuff around the there's like an interesting legal case involved. It goes some weird directions. Um, I imagine that this game ends up being a little bit more impressive just by by releasing under different circumstances. Circumstances, um, and it just didn't. And it's one of the things that I was curious about going back to it was now that we are removed from its circumstances, what can we appreciate here? Can we appreciate it? Like it is a game from twenty or two thousand seven or twenty eleven or something. And unfortunately, I'm not sure if I go all the way there. I, I I don't think so. I, I think I think like I mentioned before we we got on this call, I feel like this game is like the definition of like a B minus video game. Like there's there's some stuff. That's a in high it. score though. That's it's, a pretty yeah, high okay, score. Okay, fine. Let me say a C. It's a C game. I don't know. When I whatever. I meant like a B <laughs> game, saying, like not, you say a B movie, but like a little worse than you that. You said minus, which threw me off. Yeah, you say, I did, like, that's yeah. what. <laughs> um, but, but like I do, I just feel like there are a couple things that I like about it. It's notable that it's, like, the only Mad Max game other than, like, this 1980s Game Boy game or something that I looked up once. I don't know. There's um, a Genesis game that is very clearly a Mad Max game what is, uh, that what people is, should... Wait, but what do you mean uh, by very Outlander? clearly? Like, it's <laughs> Outlander. The That's the game I'm talking no, about. It's Outlander. Outlander. Okay. Yeah, Outlander is super clearly meant to be a Mad well, Max game. Okay. And I think, in fact, was, maybe? But but the thing is, if we branch into things that are very clearly meant to be like Mad Max, that's that's a <laughs> lot of pop culture. Like, that's... Okay, like, no, okay. <laughs> well, uh, Matt, so Mad Max came out on the NES. It was developed by Mindscape. Right. Okay. Then they made a sequel called Outlander. Oh, because they didn't get the license. I just googled Outlander. Oh, so it was very clearly like, no, this was gonna be a Mad Max game. Okay. Yes. Yeah. When I say, yeah, I, this isn't. I'm not saying it's influenced by. Okay. 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 Yeah. I mean, uh, 
Rob, did you just you said you just Googled this game? No, I, I mistakenly oh. Googled Outlander, and I was like, this looks way too horny for SNES. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, but no, that's a, that's a cable uh, costume drama. Gotcha. Hmm. Um, in any case, I think I, I definitely, you know, we all have our our favorite franchises where we're like, oh wow, I really just want there to be a game of it for me, and I I, I get that impulse, Dante. I do. Um, Rob, before we go, I need you to talk because uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold you to the exact phrasing, but I do want to hear the case for it being uh, at, maybe not a minor masterpiece, but a a something about grindhouse gaming, some some version of this that what 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 does that phrasing mean for you? Why, why did that come to you in in your overall evaluation of the game? Yeah, because like it feels to me like there are some things this game does very very well, like. The the artwork, the way the driving feels, like the like there's some things this game absolutely nails. There are some things that are clearly like within the like they, they're playing to the strengths of the creative team behind this game. These are places where they are confident and they have a vision that they are that they are trying to realize. Uh, but then there are all these other elements that like it they feel underdeveloped, they feel under-resourced, they feel like maybe a little poorly thought out. And those things like show up very, very clearly, and I can see those limitations. But for me, those highs feel so intense and feel so specific. Like, it's not just that, oh yeah, this game has great driving. This, like, I am going to remember the way driving in Mad Max feels versus a lot right. of other games. Like that is going to be right. something that stands out. Like I like Mafia 3 a lot. I do not remember how games how cars handle in that game. Didn't really register that much on me. Like in my head it's ah, it's open world, you know, dri- like driving, sure, it had it. This game like there are a lot of memories and like a a personal highlight reel of cool shit that's happened to me out in the wasteland in a car that I'm going to remember all the gorgeous things I've seen out there. It's a, it's a place I've visited. It's been a great trip. And I get like, for me, I guess I'm at a point where I, I think I cherish that stuff just a lot more than yeah. I used to. Like I look at a game like this and for all its limitations, for all its flaws and for, yeah, for all the ways that maybe in some ways it is like not really doing a great job of, of channeling what truly makes the Mad Max franchise great nevertheless this feels to me like a game with not just like i don't want to say a lot of heart because that sounds really really cliche but it feels like a game that wanted that wanted to bring a certain feel and mood to life right and it did that and that goes a long way with me that's about as as powerful a defense of this game, or at least a, not even a defense, a, a powerful exploration of your experience with this game. Uh, uh, you speak to why a game like this can be the sort of seven out of ten thing that we discussed, or that I you know I wrote about, uh, that that uh, critic AVB's written about um, as being something that's more than the sum of its parts, something that is truly troubled, but for a certain set of its players produces an effect that is far greater than 
what you would have gotten from a a more polished, a more perfect game. Um, and that's that's you know, I I think about this with something like this and God of War for me, which is um a a game that I think understandably scored well given the structure and and status quo of game reviews um but would not have scored so high with me um i don't know that i like mad max more than god of war (laughs) per se um but i left it i've had a much more interesting conversation about this than even my spoiler i love the talking with patrick about god of war but there aren't enough things to fold over in that game. There aren't enough things for me to like chew on that I don't know how I feel about them. Uh, whereas here, there's there are so many loose ends, so many so many things of like oh, I wonder though, what if what if it had been a little bit better in this way? What if it had gone this direction? And that to me, as an object of of play and inquiry, is just always going to be a little bit more rewarding. Um, which I which I'm sure infuriates people who just want me to like good video games. <laughs> Um, like the video game industry, for instance. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts from from you, Cam or Dante? I I evaluate games based on would I have rather read a book? <laughs> oh well, that's like would I have had a better news. time just sitting quietly and reading a book? Um, and sometimes I don't. Like God of War, I, similar to you, Austin. I I played that game. I thought it was whatever. I certainly like Mad Max more than I like that game. I would have rather read a book. Hearing that, I um, just had this vivid flash of like, now I realize why some cultures had stonings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, L.A. Rob will rule this outpost with an iron hey, fist. Hey, though, really those no who would prefer books to violent video games like mine <laughs> will be yeah, hung I, upon the wall and, and slapped with the stone. Slapped but so with like, the stone? <laughs> the flat side. Yeah, the flat, the flat side. side. We don't want to kill the you. The broad side. Uh, no. but, but like We're not Mafia monsters. 3. <laughs> Mafia 3, I would not have rather read a book. Right. I'd rather sure. play that game than read a book. So this is somewhere beneath Mafia 3. <laughs> I love this scoring and system you fucking came up with. Oh, my God. Um, Greater than a book, less than Mafia 3. Yeah. God. There you go. Any, Any book. Yeah, exactly. What the fuck? Yeah. What the book? <laughs> Just is it about yeah. Janice Miller, the Rants, the book, book like, one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just gotta figure out what Dennis Miller's all about, man. He's got some great ideas. He's trying to get into that guy's head. Yeah. Uh I just like perspectives, bro. <laughs> I, so not all books, probably, but just a book that I want to read. Sure. <laughs> I I uh feel like I've talked a lot on this cast already, but I do feel like Mad Max is a game that I really liked, and also I desperately wish was, like, 25% better. Like, I just, every, it feels like every single part of that game to me was just like, God, this is cool, but wouldn't it be cool if, and, like, there isn't a single part of that game that I don't feel that way about. Like, yeah, I I wish Mm -hmm. there was more writing. I wish the characters mattered more. I wish the communities mattered more. I wish Max shut up. I, like, I, like, I really... Yeah, there was a lot. Ugh, I don't know. Yeah, I still played a whole boatload of it, though. Like, <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, I want to thank everybody who responded. This has been. This is. It's <laughs> funny. I think this is probably the most hotly contested of our Waypoint One Hundred One so far, and also the one that has generated the most conversation. Partly that's because it took us two months to do it instead of just the normal <laughs> one. Partly it's because it's a much bigger game than I think the past ones what we've done have been. Um, but. 
there have been some really great stuff uh, over on the forums at discourse.zone, some really great conversations in our, our chat on our Discord. Um, I have a lot of... Uh, things that I wrote down that I'm just we didn't get to today because we kind of had the conversations and so I just want to say really quick shout outs to Eli A to Benji to Jem to uh, Quinn uh, to Nora and Subside and Hayatal and Dreambaum Baum Dreambaum and Andy and uh, a whole bunch of other people who had such great stuff on the on the forums. Also, some people posted the best pictures. Really briefly, this game has a really good photo mode and it has a video mode that's really cool. And I wish I had done more with it. We did a I did a stream one day and fucked around with it a little bit. So you can go check that out on our YouTube, youtubecom waypointvice. Um, I also really love there's a there was a post in the probably my favorite post on the Mad Max Waypoint 101 thread. I know I'm not supposed to pick a favorite, but there's one by um, Mave, uh, which is number 62 in this 124 posts uh, thread um, that makes some comparisons between the George Miller films and the work of like Sam Peckinpah and Kurosawa and Sergio Leone. Um, that is really, really smart and really helped me work through some of my thoughts about the game. Just really great stuff throughout that thread. Uh, some really good deep dives into the game's really bad gender politics. Um, and some, some, you know, a picture of a man with a dog for a head, because that's a thing that happened in this game. And as I was just scrolling through, I was forced to remember that. That is going to do it for us today. I think, again, I'm Austin Walker. You can follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Rob? At Rob Zachney. How about you, Dante? Uh, I'm at Video Dante on Twitter. What, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, I wrote a thing for waypoint.com. <laughs> Waypoint.vice.com. Um, uh, yeah, I wrote a thing about uh, the storm at Waypoint. Uh, I also write pretty regularly over at Paste Magazine at their games vertical. Um, shout out to Paste. Shout out to Paste. Garrett. Shout out to Garrett. Shout out to Garrett. Shout out to Holly. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I also write it a million other places. Again, find me on Twitter at Video Dante. It's where I post everything and talk too much. Uh, if people wanted to support you and your work, is there anything they could do to do that? Oh, there is that. Um, yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you wanted me to, like, plug that. Um, yeah, plug. Okay, it's um, time to plug. Yeah, so uh, me and a colleague of mine, uh, Amr Alasser, who also is a writer for a lot of places online. Uh, are including Waypoint. Has uh, including Waypoint. Us, including sure. Waypoint. Uh, we are um, uh, restarting a uh, – Website uh, based around amplifying the voices of underrepresented voices in the games criticism sphere, as well as uh, marginalized voices, basically people who you don't usually hear talk about games. We're going to try and pay them money to talk about video games. And uh, right now we are running a GoFundMe for four quarterlies of six articles a pop. We're going to have like custom art. It's going to be all looking fancy and stuff. Uh, there'll be digital quarterlies, and if you're interested in funding uh, that, you can go to uh, the Twitter account for Dorbital, which is just twitter.com slash dorbital, or gofundme.com. Wait, can you spell that really quick for yeah, people who, don't, who have not seen the word? That's smart. D-E-O-R-B-I-T-A-L. And uh, There you go. We also have a GoFundMe up at gofundme.com slash dorbital dash quarterly. I also just uh, set up a tiny URL, tinyurl.com slash dorbital. Perfect. Thank you very much. There you go. Uh, how about you, Cam? Same question. Oh. Same question. <laughs> Same question. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You can find me on Twitter uh, at cconsulman, C-K-U-N-Z-E-L-M-A-N. Uh, you can also read me every week here at uh, on, on Waypoint. I'm, I write a column uh, at the end of every week. 
It's about sad stuff, generally. <laughs> Endings and apocalypses. Endings. You've written yeah. about Mad Max before. You wrote a, a piece about the game Convoy, actually, mm-hmm. and tied that to the hope in Fury Road. Yeah, we didn't get a chance to talk about Convoy, but people should check that game yeah. out. It is, yeah. it is an interesting take on... That's a game in which you are under attack, so... Huh? Yeah, yeah, you're you're kind of the Furiosa role, uh, I guess. Um, I recently started... Uh, yeah, so I do a thing called uh, Range to Touch. We make a lot of different YouTube and podcast content. You can see that at rangetouch.com. You uh, we like have a new D&D, podcast. let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we uh, but started a podcast recently with Michael Lutz, uh, people might know, uh, called Game Study Study AKA Buddies. Where we... Warren is dead on Twitter. Very, very, very smart uh, critic, cultural critic, game writer sometimes. Uh, early modernist. Uh, yeah, early modernist. Yeah, of course, early modernist. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of my favorite answers I've ever read on a Waypoint Radio episode is from uh, Michael Lutz, and then it was eaten by a computer, so we've never heard it, <laughs> unfortunately. Of course. One right. day I'll read it into a microphone again. Uh, so you can, yeah, you can do all that. You can. One more time. It. That one is called what? Game studies, study buddies. Uh, it's and super good. It's super, super good. I really, really loved the conversation y'all had about Jesper Yule's uh, half reel. Uh, if you are interested in game studies or an academic uh, kind of game uh, analysis and stuff like that, please consider giving them a listen. It's super, super good. All right. With that, that is going to do it for us. Shout outs to Bowen, as always, for letting us use the track Miss You of the EP Payout Machine. Find out more about that over at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Uh, and I think, you know, here's what I'll say. I don't know what the next one is going to be. Um, I don't know. We'll have to talk about it off mic. But I will say that, Cam, I just gave you a bunch of notes on tomorrow's uh, tomorrow's. Or maybe at sometimes I don't know based on when we're recording this. Who the fuck knows? Uh, <laughs> column which is all about cyberpunk. I think a lot of people have been bugging. There's been a conversation lately about <laughs> mm-hmm. cyberpunk. I think we may have a responsibility to dip our toes in the genre somewhere. Uh, and I have some ideas for games that might fit in there. So we'll, oh. we'll maybe the Neuromancer game. The Neuromancer. There it is. We're all going to play Neuromancer. <laughs> we're all going to play. Right. Um, what, you know what? For real, we're going to play hey, Neuromancer, right? We're going to play oh, Ripper. Man. Actually, I can actually wrap this around because what we could play is uh, I Have No Mouth, yep. oh, but I Must Scream, yep, yeah. um, yeah. which was which was made with the hands-on uh, guidance of Harlan Ellison, who unfortunately died today. And here's how I wrap it around. Harlan Ellison, of course, uh, his book uh, – or his book – yeah, his, his book, short story – um, uh, a boy and his dog, very, very much a precursor to Mad Max in terms of establishing some setting tropes for kind of post-apocalyptic fiction. Uh, so shout outs to Harlan Ellison, who love him or, or have some issues with him sometimes, <laughs> certainly, uh, was a, a pretty powerful sci-fi writer, um, worth, worth your time. On that note, on the, on the note of <laughs> the death of a, uh, important writer, that's going to do it for us today. We'll be back uh, sometime this week, whenever you're listening, with probably another episode of Waypoint Radio. Until then, peace. So I'm the only one who's All super right, angry. Right. I, uh, mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.